Welcome to Hallmark Up with Mary and Sarah. All right, so it's actually episode six, season four. Wow. Six weeks in and we haven't even hit December yet. <laughs> It'll be December and by the time our listeners are hearing this. That's very true because I, I surely won't get it edited till at least tomorrow. So, but yes, and, and of course the start of everyone's advent calendars, which is always exciting. But this week, we it was a big, big, big weekend. Merry Thanksgiving hosted by the newly crowned Queen of Christmas, Lacey Chabert. And there were lots of movies to be had, but we decided to watch A Christmas Cookie Catastrophe. And we have a guest with us, our lovely friend, Megan. Hello. From our from our book club. And she's been on before. So this was really pitched as like a mystery, kind of, I would say. <laughs> like they were trying to solve this mystery of something and you didn't really know what. But wasn't quite what I expected, but wasn't I think, much of a mystery. No, it wasn't much of a mystery. We kind of guessed. In fact, Mary, you guessed like probably ten minutes in. Yeah, what the answer was. And at first, they took us down a path that I was like, "How could Mary be wrong?" But you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, they were trying to. They were really trying to like hone in on that uh, true crime little aspect and mix it with a. a you know, some sort of uh, Christmas celebration, which was really bizarre. It didn't really work on either end. That's very true. That's very true. All right. Well, Mary usually starts us off with a bit of a recap, Megan. So Mary, what happened this week on a Christmas cookie catastrophe? Well, we have the heroine of a Christmas cookie catastrophe, Annie Cooper. Annie is the new CEO of Cooper's Cookies, which is her grandmother's company in the town of Maplewood. But not everyone is happy about Annie's appointments to the head of the family business. The media attacks her as being groomed in the New York corporate world, and many see her as an inappropriate choice to take the helm of this historically family-led company. And it's kind of bizarre because it really seems like for no reason other than she's from New York because the company's not exactly like a nonprofit. It's anyways. No. And they obviously want to make money, but, and she was in the family. So why would that make it bad? But whatever. It seems that it's a publicly traded company. So it's, so she's from the corporate world taking over a corporation. It was really strange because this, it seemed like it was only one branch of this cookie shop in this town of 2000 and they had board members and valets and it just was very strange in it that a small town could support something that big. Well, I mean, I sort of assume um, based on various pieces of evidence we have within the movie that they distribute outside Maplewood and Maplewood is just where they're headquartered. But again, with, you know, that leads me down the path of thinking this is not, you know, just a mom and pop shop. This is a relatively large company, dare I say, a corporation. And so why does everybody care that she's from the New York corporate world? Is it really just like she's from New York? Like, who cares? Very true. Very true. So that's Annie. Next, we meet Sam Hobbs. Sam Hobbs is widower, single dad of a little girl named Bella. And he is the owner of 
Bella's Bakery, which is failing and they can't afford to replace their stove. I want to point out that it, it seemed like a kitchen stove. Mm -hmm. It did not seem like... Megan commented on that too. How do they have one one oven or stove for their commercial bakery? Exactly, exactly. So now we have our two romantic leads, Annie and Sam. One of the things that I uh, thought was unique and kind of interesting in it was the start of the movie where they started with like an old fashioned commercial and then it led into the commercial of today using the same Yeah, that was kind of high production value for Yoldi Hallmark. Exactly. And so it was kind of funny that like the entire town kind of turned on this woman who kind of helped, was kind of raised by everybody, it felt like, just because she decided to go to New York for a little while. I agree with that. Like, she, you, you couldn't have got like a more qualified person to do it, I wouldn't have thought. It was but... just a really artificial conflict, as it often is in Hallmark. There's no particular reason why this person shouldn't be doing what they're doing. And I can't think of any small town newspaper that would care enough to attack a CEO for being from New York. Like, who cares? Whatever. Annie runs into Sam's daughter Bella somewhere and tells her there's some sort of event where Cooper's is giving out cookies. Bella tells her that her father doesn't patronize Cooper's anymore because the new owner is a Grinch. Another important character is now introduced, who is Grandma's friend and chauffeur, Arthur, who may or may not be Santa Claus. <laughs> he seems to have magic powers and he looks like Santa. So there you go. Definitely Santa. He's definitely Santa. Arthur is also now going to be Annie's chauffeur, which of course doesn't help her image of being, you know, rich, spoiled New Yorker, the fact that she's being shuttled around by somebody else. Was he like her step-grandfather? No. No, I think that um, he he had a wife. His name was Arthur. And uh, he just stayed on to help her out. Because, uh, well, we find out later why. But he he also helped out with the company. At, you know, he, just a really good friend of the grandma. I was very confused about his relationship with the grandmother, I have to say, from the beginning. And he, my mom and I thought he was the step-grandpa for a very long time. I mean, it was a little bit forced, but what isn't? So, I mean... So anyways, the secret cookie recipe gets stolen, which is what sets off the whole plot here. So it appears that they keep grandma's secret recipe in a glass case on a pedestal and somebody breaks in and steals it. One mm -hmm. plot point is that there is a Christmas party going on at the same time where yes. a lot of the employees are are there and the party doesn't go very well because everybody feels like it's a little stuffy because it's being hosted by Annie. Right. Thank you for pointing that out, Megan. I forgot to mention. I also, something I thought was very, very weird about the theft of the recipe is that when it is discovered, her first concern is that they don't have a recipe to make cookies with anymore and not like somebody else stole our recipe and someone else is going to be making our cookies. Because it kind of seems to me that somebody has been making cookies for several decades and presumably they know how to right this well, this reminds me of the italian one like a family recipe has gone missing and no one knows how to do it they say that they have it on a computer so they're like oh hey why don't we just go into the computer and they call the it guy down and he taps on the computer oh, for a little yes. bit and all of a sudden he's like oh nope it's gone too it's like, I don't understand how that's even possible. 
I guess even more than that. Okay, so yeah, obviously there's a digital copy. There would have to be. But even more than a digital copy, what about the copy in the brains of the people who have been making these cookies every day for decades? Why are the workers, the Cooper's Bakery not being consulted? Whatever. Nobody thinks of this through the entire movie. So. It's probably more automated now, too. So you just like do your bit on the line or something. I don't know. You I mean, know. I'm sure it's automated, but somebody has to make it run anyways. Correct. Correct. But nobody knows how to make these cookies anymore. And nobody is concerned about a competitor you know, making and marketing the cookies. They're concerned about the fact that they literally can't make their product anymore. Whoever broke in and stole the recipe left a single clue, and that is their loyalty card to Bella's Bakery. Dun, dun, dun. dun I should dun, also dun. mention here that Annie makes the call not to call the police on this because she's afraid the publicity would somehow be bad for Cooper's. I don't know. They're not calling the police. She's handing it on her own. Nobody's dusting for fingerprints or whatever. All we've got to go on is the Bella's Bakery loyalty card. So Annie picks up the loyalty card and goes to Bella's to investigate, ends up accusing Sam of stealing her recipe. He obviously did not steal it. The next day, she comes back to apologize, asks Sam to help her figure out the secret recipe before anyone notices it's missing, because Sam, of course, is a master baker, and she is not. And the reason that they think that they, this can happen is because at the back of the package, they have all the ingredients. So they have the ingredients, and now it's just a matter of trying to figure out the exact proportions. Mm-hmm. But as we all know, like baking is a science, so it's, you know, hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues, Right. So anyways, at a certain point, Annie tells Sam that Cooper's is running at a loss and she's been brought in to save the company. And Sam tells Annie that he invented... Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention something. The deal, sorry, the deal is that Sam is to help Annie rediscover the recipe in exchange for a new oven. She's going to buy a new oven for Bella's Bakery. Now, what they're using in the meantime to continue to operate, I don't know, but something. At one point, we've got one of those heart-to-heart moments where they both confess their deepest, darkest secrets to each other over baked goods. And Annie tells Sam that Cooper's is running at a loss and that she has been brought in to save the company. Sam tells Annie that he invented the sugar plum cookies, which are Bella's Bakery's famous cookies, to cheer up Bella after his wife died, Bella's mother. So there we go. We, we both have, you know, a sad backstory now. Meanwhile, our tech guy, the IT guy, what was his name? Calvin. Was his name Calvin? Yes. Yes. I wrote that down. I did write that one down. Thank you. So our tech guy, Calvin, says that the thief used grandma's security code to break in. So it was an inside job. And whoever did it didn't use their own security code. They used the deceased grandmother's security code. Annie manages to get an invitation to Sam's Christmas party. It's kind of unclear what the Christmas party deal is anyways. And at this point, we get more of an origin story for both characters. So Annie's origin story is that her parents died in a car accident, and that is why she never learned how to drive. And so that is the real reason that she has Arthur driving her around everywhere. We also learn that she broke up with her ex when her career took off and his didn't, because she didn't want to, quote, act small to make him feel big, unquote. Sam's origin story is that Bella's mom used to take her to Cooper's Christmas tree lighting every year. And, you know, it was this nice family tradition before Grinch Annie came and took over Cooper's. 
There was another part of it as well where they there was a dance, a, a ballet recital that was happening too. And um, there's a picture on the tree of the mother holding her in one of those like kangaroo pouches. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think that that's when Annie starts to kind of think about reinstating all of that because she was taking it out because of the loss that Cooper's Cookies was having. Right. So she decides to reinstate the tree lighting. And she also at some point promises Bella that she's going to this dance recital. I missed when that happened, but it happened at some point. Anyways, in the meantime, Calvin, our IT guy, has identified a suspect, Greg, a former employee. It's not him. Long story short, they end up like chasing him down a tackling or something. It's not him. I don't remember. Then we have a baking montage. I think we have more than one baking montage. Yeah, well, anyways, that's one of our baking montages. And then we have the night of the tree lighting. The night of the tree lighting. Annie has this sudden revelation that she knows who did it. She knows who stole the cookies. And it was the head of the board, Miriam. The reason she knows it was Miriam is because Miriam was not at the party the night that the recipe was stolen. And also because Miriam has been upset with Annie's appointment since the beginning and would love to see her fail. Um, they accuse Miriam. Miriam denies it and places Annie on administrative leave, her fate to be decided at the next meeting of the board. Anyways, Annie is sad, goes over to Sam's, tells them that she's about to lose her job, and they decide to do some baking to make themselves feel better, at which point we get another baking montage. Fast forward to the board meeting the next day. Annie gives an inspiring speech to the board as they're about to vote to fire her about something about now she's understood the spirit of Christmas and Cooper's cookies or something like that. And then Arthur comes in right before the vote. I want to point out at this point that about 10 minutes into this movie, I texted Sarah and Megan and said, Arthur stole the recipe to make Annie learn the true meaning of Christmas. So anyways. Uh, 100% I can confirm she did that. And <laughs> she was not wrong. Even though we went down this rabbit hole of maybe it was this woman. Yeah, maybe it was Miriam. It was not Miriam. It, it was Arthur the whole time. Anyways, so it turns out Arthur stole the recipe because Grandma asked him to do it in order to send Annie on this wild goose chase that would lead her to Bella's bakery and to Sam, who would teach her the true meaning of cookie baking or something like that. And you have to imagine this was also a setup that Grandma wanted Annie to fall in love with Sam. But anyways, Annie keeps her job and she's won over Miriam's approval somehow. I don't know. Everybody likes Annie all of a sudden and I'm not quite sure what changed. She lit a Christmas tree. That's why they love her now. That's true. She did light a Christmas tree. She also, while she was lighting the Christmas tree, accused the head of the board of the theft she did not commit. So I don't know. Tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. Right. Next, we are at Bella's dance recital, which Annie shows up to. Of course, Bella is very happy about this. And she does the dance with her because she's nervous, which is kind of weird. Like, she does the first part of it with her. I don't know. I, I feel like Bella's too old for that. But anyways. Also, the idea of Bella being nervous about dancing or anything has never come up before now. So it's kind of out of the blue. Um, after the dance recital, Bella really, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudges her dad. Like, Annie was here. She just went out the back door. You should go after her. And so he does, at which point he confesses to her that he has been scared to love again. And he then says, quote, I should stay away from you. But instead, I just have one question for you. Annie Cooper, can I please hold your hand? Unquote. And they kiss, presumably live happily ever after. And that's a wrap. It was definitely 
a one-liner that will be unforgotten for many uh, Hallmark women lovers out there, I would say. The Hallmarkies of the world would have loved that. The most asexual romance line I've ever heard. It it is pretty asexual. I wonder why they chose to do that, especially after I've heard, which I haven't watched yet, time time for him to come home for Christmas, has the hottest kiss of all time in it by Tyler Hines. Wait, it does? Apparently, it's really sexy. There are good kisses on rare occasion. One involved Palaha this season. So, I mean, every now and then, someone on Hallmark is allowed a steamy kiss. That is but... true. This, but this is, I mean, you kind of got to see it. Like, I was, it looked like a real movie kiss. Wow. Not a just... real movie kiss. <laughs> Not just a stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had That one's for Sarah's fans. That's right, it is. All right, so... Everyone's happily ever after, we think. Yeah, as far as we can tell. Okay. But what about what about Kelvin? He oh, yes. Him. Our subplot B. Our subplot was so boring that I didn't even take notes on it. Because it was... The secondary plot line was that Calvin is nerdily into Jillian. Was that her name? Who seems to be Annie's assistant? I didn't know I... what her name was was actually i believe you're right uh mary Uh, yeah so jillian annie's assistant and calvin are into each other and they slowly like nerdily fall in love but there's no barrier to that romance and there's no reason it shouldn't happen which is often the case in hallmark that there's no reason the romance shouldn't have shouldn't happen which makes it kind of like boring to watch but in this case, it was just especially like, you know, they were mildly quirky, but not even like quirky enough for it to be funny. So I don't know. It was it was what it was. It, it was all wrapped up by the tree lighting. And that was, you know, 75 minutes into the movie. Well, I should say 75, but out, out of 120. So. Right. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. All right. Well, what about our bingo moments? What did we think was like the cheesiest of cheese in this one? I have several. I'll let someone else go first. I had several as well, but probably my my biggest one. I the last time that we went we watched together, I pointed this out. But my bingo is when there is a kid as a as a major character in the plot, and they don't attend school at all in the month of December. Yep, yep, that's a good one. That's a good complaint. I like that. What about also, you, Mary? Oh man, so many, so many. So first of all, we've got the widower single dad. Secondly, we've got him Christmas tree shopping with his daughter. Thirdly, we've got an old man with a twinkle in his eye who may or may not be Santa Claus. Fourthly, we have a gingerbread baking competition. I skipped over that because it was completely immaterial to the plot, but Bella makes a gingerbread house with her dad for a school competition. Oh yes, that's true. I forgot about that. And we have multiple... Yeah, she tricks him. She doesn't say it's for a competition. But we have multiple baking montages. Sarah, what do you got? I actually wrote down a man who may or not may not be Santa. Like I just could tell in 30 seconds that he was a man who may or may not be Santa. And to be fair, it's one of my favorite bingo moments, to be honest. Like I think there should always be a man who may or may not be Santa. (laughs) Who's like the Deus Ex Machina of the movie. But that's Um, my, my my one. On a personal note, my personal note, my personal bingo would be that passed out by the time the first commercial break happened. It didn't happen <laughs> in the movie, but the movie made that happen. So sounds about right. Having trouble getting your kids to sleep? 
watch all oh. movies. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> exactly. Hashtag relatable with Hallmark Top. All right. What about hashtag relatable? Did we find anything relatable? I actually had two of them. You guys go first. So I had two as well. One that I texted you guys about during the movie, and that was there was a fireplace on a TV screen, and it's the same fireplace that I use when we have Christmas parties. But the one that I wrote down right away was there was a comparison to Picasso. Oh, you look like a Picasso. And Sean says that to me a lot. That's my husband. And um, (laughs) I'm like, what Picasso do you mean? Like, what period of Picasso? If we're talking about just Picasso in general, he was a cubist. So I look like blocks and, you know, like weird shapes. Like, I don't think that that means what you think it means. (laughs) That's funny. I, I had one of the, one of mine was also the um, YouTube fireplace. Sarah, how about you? I don't know. I mean, I guess the only thing I could probably say is that I did go actually on the day we watched the movie. We went to lunch at the Omni Grove Park Inn in Asheville, which is a really old hotel that's like a hunting lodge and it's very fancy and like overlooks the mountains and it's beautiful. And they have every single year a gingerbread house contest <laughs> and all the gingerbread houses were on display. And all right. so yeah. we, we spent like an hour looking at the gingerbread houses or maybe not that long, but at least 30 minutes, like looking at each one and they didn't, most of them didn't even look edible. So it, that's how fancy they were. So I think I would probably say that competition was actually kind of relatable and i actually went to one that day wow that's very rare for a bingo to also be a relatable but you're oh but i get what you mean yeah yeah yeah. it's definitely a bingo moment but it was also your hashtag but but i actually did that rare crossover (laughs) that's right very true i get you so were all of them on display like under glass containers only the winning ones were under glass containers the ones that were just like uh, the runners up or whatever they were just on a table behind some like stanchion and rope you know as if they were common sugar cookies correct a bit just behind <laughs> a little don't touch this but you know but they did have different categories like there was the adult category the teen category and the child category all right and apparently it's like a world-renowned competition at this hotel <laughs> it really okay. felt like a hallmark movie actually so, like, I, I remember in San Francisco, uh, there was something similar to that during the Christmas season. I, I don't remember if it was a competition or if they just had, like, a professional gingerbread maker uh, read you, like, this hotel and gingerbread every year. And then, like, the, the square that was around it. But I just remember looking at it and thinking, why? <laughs> can you can you tell us, tell me, like, a little bit about the winners? Like, who who won in each category? Like, what do they make? Do they make an actual landscape of, of what was around or? They made things that were like not even recognizable as edible or sometimes not even recognizable as a house. Like <laughs> they made like a train one. They made like sort of like almost different themes. Like the old women who lived in a shoe kind of comes <laughs> to mind. Like they just made all these different kinds of things that were cool. And then I also went in while in Asheville to Biltmore and Biltmore has, and it's not real, I don't think, but they have a, a giant gingerbread house that looks like Biltmore in the, in the kitchen in Biltmore. So right. 
you know, it, and I don't know if it's a thing or just there. <laughs> Like, but apparently there are really gingerbread house competitions. I feel like I was at one in in upstate Washington once too. So maybe, yeah, I don't know. I guess gingerbread competitions are re- a real deal. So my relatable cool. moment was besides having a YouTube fireplace going, Sam at one point serves Annie tea in a very nice teapot. And- <laughs> oh, yes. I, too, own and enjoy several very nice teapots. They're not, like, fancy or expensive. They're stuff I bought at antique malls for 10 bucks over the years. But they are, indeed, very nice. So, Mary, the only thing that sh- that my husband put on our wedding registry was a teapot, and now he refuses to use it. <laughs> What's he used? <laughs> so, What's his reason? What- so, one year, he got his mom a Keurig and then asked for it back. And uses that to make hot water. Wow. So why doesn't he use the teapot? I don't know. I think maybe it's a winter thing for him. Like he doesn't want to heat up the room. Oh, you need an electric kettle. All right. Well, those are all very interesting, relatable things. Okay. So we definitely think this could be redone to make it more interesting. And the basic thought is that what what they kind of did wrong was the mystery was just not very interesting but you know if we're gonna say there's gonna be two baking montages at least let's just call a spade a spade and say this is actually a baking competition and we're gonna learn something and it's not necessarily it maybe starts as fictionalized but we're gonna turn it into a baking competition to make the new cookie for Cooper's Christmas cookies. And maybe we start with that old ad or something. I don't know. So like Annie knows that in two years, this company is going to go under. So she needs something big. So she brings up the big guns from New York. She calls all of her connections. She brings a film crew in. And yeah, it's just a big, big baking competition where week by week, everybody has to kind of delve into a recipe or make their recipe better to be able to kind of like do a bracket kind of challenge. But here's the thing. Here's where this gets to be an innovative genre because it's not going to be just like we watch Hallmark tell a story about a baking competition. There's got to be a real baking competition, like a real Hallmark bake-off happening with maybe this being even, just the frame story. Maybe even with like join us at home and bake along live with us and see how, you know, what recipe are you going to follow? And we could even do like a here's all the ingredients you need to have on hand, everyone. Yeah, Yeah, it'd be so fun. It's going to be like a how-to Christmas movie. Yeah, I don't even, I don't even like cooking shows, but this would be fun. And we have the different, you know, contestants who represent, you know, who, whose work is judged by Annie and Sam. And, you know, they teach us how to make, let's say, three different kinds of Christmas cookies. And at the end, viewers at home can sample them all themselves decide which one they like best and then annie and sam can pick their favorites so we'd have so to have like some component of like live at the end yeah so it'd be like a mix of american idol meets the great british big off yeah, yeah meets hallmark that's right that would be amazing so let's see how we would logistically do this because my production brain always goes to that so would we'd have to release the recipes ahead of time so you maybe pre-baked them or would we do a follow-up episode of the live judging 
Well, so, so American Idol is twice a week, right? So that way you get viewers both nights. True. So this is a two-parter. So you Ooh. bake the cookies on the first movie night and then and along with the movie. And then two nights later or whatever, we do a live stream of the result. And you or uh, a few uh, nights later, you have to go online and vote for your favorite. Yeah. So you have two nights. So that that gives you one night to eat all the cookies. And then this, that night, that second night, like you said, it's just like a, a, a very elongated one hour episode where you, you know what's p- pretty much going to happen because you, the viewer, already have had, tasted all the cookies. And we can interview the, the actors that baked the different kinds and, you know, see where they went wrong and how many times they have to practice or, you know, whatever. So we get some really good footage of that. And then we count all the votes and see which cookie wins. So my only question to make sure that we've, we're getting this right right now is which cookie is Palaha making? Oh, <laughs> yes, because Palaha is always in it. So <laughs> he definitely will come back as one of the people who is baking. And they're obviously all couples. Maybe they're all couples from previous movies. Oh, shit, that'd be so year. fun. So it would be him and the lady from the inn. Yeah, that'd be fun. So they would come back and bake a cookie that they probably baked at the fucking hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Like one does when one stays in a hotel, right? (laughs) I'm sure that they did bake cookies there. So that could be fun. Like every couple that has baked something in in a movie previously comes to bake their thing for this movie. I like it. I like it. This could be like a season finale movie. That's like the cookie bake-off for the Coopers that is a a movie and two-night special bake-along with Hallmark kind of thing. And in the last episode, they take Christmas cookie catastrophe and they they line out the catastrophe part. Yeah. And they write classic. (laughs) There we go. This is actually ingenious. How have they not done this before? How have they not done this before? Hallmark, call us. I know. Okay, so, but the question will be, of all of these couples, so we have decided this season that we have a couple new favorite Hallmark men. Obviously, Palaha, you're number one in our our book. Come on our show. (laughs) Number two, Um, Tyler Hines. Tyler Hines, yes. And now recently added to the list, Victor Webster, Sam himself from this show. So I don't know... Who will win? Because Tyler Hines has to be in it. And, oh, but maybe the three wise men are the judges with Annie. Oh, the three wise men could also. Hmm. But well, they did know. bake cookies in the three wise men. But that was primarily Andrew Walker who did it correctly. But they or could enter as a trio of cookers. I mean, Tyler favorite. Hines has been in more than one movie. He could be on this with, you know, his partner from a different movie. That's true. Maybe well, he bakes in, in time for him to come home for Christmas. Yeah, maybe. Well, or maybe it's all the kids that aren't going to school. <laughs> They're the judges in the competition. I like that. <laughs> yes. they, well, we have to have some kids for sure. So yeah, no, that's good. There's lots of kids not at school. Getting sugar highs. And, but yeah. who, the winner would be hard. Obviously, we have to leave it to the people on this. Like, we have to leave it to the people. and we, So we don't know who's going to win. But there is one thing that we do know. They will. Fall in love. Fall in, in love. love. <laughs> Do we? I don't think, Mary, we haven't talked about what we are actually watching next week. I don't think. No, we haven't. That's still TBA. Let me but... let me just look at the checklist here. 
let's take a quick gander at what do we have on next weekend. So, a big fat fam family Christmas, a fabled holiday, undercover holiday, which I would like to nominate. It's on Sunday, which is always a bit tricky for us because it means we don't get to recording till late in the week. But it sounds kind of fun, if I recall, and I don't know why. I maybe I just like the name. But let me see if there's a Miracles um, movie on this week. Uh, the Holiday Stocking. Whoa. Not even Christmas stocking. That's interesting. Do you want to take a stab at what one of these might be about? How about A Fabled Holiday? All right. Because I've seen this title a couple of times. I don't know what it's about. And me neither. I'm kind of intrigued because is this like an Aesop's Fables kind of thing? Is this, are we going to have, you know a baking tortoise and a baking hare i guess i've just got baking on the brain like the, <laughs> the you know do. the the tortoise lets his dough rise and the hare takes a shortcut and so the tortoise wins i don't know well i i wonder if it's more not that this is a fable necessarily but it might be like more about gift of the magi style I you know, say. they tried to do Gift of the Magi thing earlier many this times. season. And season. many times. And every time they like act like they've never read the story. I know. So this should be interesting to see. What do you think, Megan? Any guesses on a fabled holiday? So when I first heard it, I was getting fable and stable mixed up um, because <laughs> it's really late at night for me. And so I was like, it's obviously the story of Jesus, but like, turned around and then when you started talking about the tortoise I was starting to incorporate a tortoise into the story I don't know it was just really bad so no I had no idea <laughs> I don't it be good, actually a fabled a stabled holiday yeah well you know I still think they they surely have done like the there's no room at the end kind of story but you know we, we'll probably do another one of those oh my gosh you think there's no room at the like you know fancy christmas-fied like vermont bed and breakfast and it's like yeah the this couple called like maggie and joey need a place to stay or something for their baby <laughs> but so there's actually... there's room at the like horse barn where all the so horses are i'm actually go. going to vermont next year for a bed and breakfast uh wedding Oh my gosh. Between two men. And so when you say that, I'm just starting to like imagine which one is Joey and which one is Maggie. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so I wasn't Vermont was one of the very first states to let you get married. So is uh, it, I think it was civil union. Oh right. Okay. But are, is it in winter? Because or is it in summer? It is at the turn of the season for autumn, so everything oh my is God, already booked out. Be beautiful. Oh my gosh, that's going to be picturesque as fuck. Wow, yes. there should be a Hallmark movie about that. I'm sure there is. Well, actually, with, remember Kudan, there is yeah. that one that Lacey Chabert was in called Moonlight in Vermont, which was what I did the meme of Bernie for. Oh yeah, I do remember that. So I don't know, Moonlight in Vermont. That could be the theme of their gay wedding. And they definitely oh. will fall in love there, too. So that's lovely as well. So what you're saying is that I should ditch my husband and invite Lacey Chabert as my yes. plus one. Okay. The new queen of Christmas. I'm sure she'll come. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be there. 
All right. Well, thank you, Megan, for joining us. I Thanks, really Megan. think that if, you know, Victor Webster or Rachel Boston, who is in this one, or any of our baking people this season want to hit us up for some ideas on how this competition could work for Hallmark or Hallmark producers, whatever, get a hold of us. We'll, we'll, we'll talk you through the logistics and how you can make this like Hallmark slash British Bake Off slash American Idol work. <laughs> I am more than willing to eat cookies for you. That's right. I I will come and help deliver the logistics and eat cookies as well. <laughs> I think I'm going to go eat some cookies, guys. I know. I I, I, I already had some. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> this record. I was like, we can't have cookie catastrophe without cookies. So, all right. Well, thanks for coming again, Megan. And we'll catch you guys next week. I'm thinking undercover holiday, but we'll see how it goes. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Hallmarked Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at Hallmarked Up, and on Facebook at Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts.